Welcome to Dead Wax 78s, a podcast about dead 78s and a history of hip tunes and lost talent. Tin Pan Alley is the historical name assigned to the New York location of a collection of music publishers, songwriters, and performing musicians in the late 19th century and early 20th century. Music produced in Tin Pan Alley was typically jazz and popular music, and the musicians involved dominated the music industry at the time. Monroe Rosenfeld, a newspaper writer, would be responsible for inventing the nickname Tin Pan Alley. During a trip to New York City, he was struck by the number of sounds, pianos playing and musical noise made in the Tin Pan Alley area. Rosenfeld described the experience as hundreds of people pounding on tin pans. In the mid-1800s, copyright controls on melodies was poorly regulated in the United States. Many competing publishers would often print their own versions of whatever songs were popular at the time. Stephen Foster's songs, for example, probably generated millions of dollars in sheet music sales. But Foster saw a little of it and died in poverty. With stronger copyright laws in the late 1800s, songwriters, composers, lyricists and publishers started working together for mutual financial benefit. Music releases by artists from Tin Pan Alley were heavily influenced by vaudeville, jazz, blues, and other older song forms including ragtime, parlor music, dance music, and comic novelty songs. Tin Pan Alley composers of this period wrote an enormous amount of songs that would now be considered classic American melodies. These composers are also responsible for setting the standard for popular music for the first half of the 20th century. People like Charles Pratt, Irving Berlin, Gussie Lord Davis, George Gershwin, Scott Joplin, and Fats Waller. Here's side one. Fats Waller, the clown prince of jazz with Muscle Shoal Blues.
Now, as things were heating up in the Tin Pan Alley jazz joints, another obscure person was making his way through the southern U.S. Ralph Sylvester Peer, born in 1892, was an American town scout, recording engineer, record producer, and music publisher in the 1920s and 1930s. Peer pioneered field recordings of music when, in June 1923, he took remote recording equipment south to Atlanta, Georgia to record regional music outside of the recording studio in such places as uh, hotel rooms, ballrooms, or empty warehouses. These became the Bristol Sessions. Now, the Bristol Sessions should be called the Big Bang of country music and that Bristol should be considered the birthplace of country music. When the Carter family and Jimmy Rogers were discovered and recorded in Bristol. The now legendary recordings produced by Ralph Peer for Victor Records in Bristol, Tennessee, slash Virginia, during the summer of 1927. Small cities straddling the Tennessee Virginia state line, many musicians who had previously appeared on Hillbilly Records were from this region. During the sessions, the Carter family from nearby Mesa Springs, Virginia, and Jimmy Rogers of Meridian, Mississippi, along with several lesser-known acts who recorded for Peer in Bristol in 1927. Especially blind Alfred Reed, Ernest Phipps, Alfred Carnes, B.F. Shelton, and the Ten of Arablers generated for Peer what are considered class recordings from the early years of country music. When Peer concluded the brief trip to Bristol on Friday, August 5th, those sessions had yielded 76 recorded performances by 19 music acts, and the music world was never the same. Here's one of my favorite performers on side two, Jimmy Rogers' first recording for Peer, The Soldier's Sweetheart. Once I had a sweetheart a sweetheart, brave and true His hair was dark and curly His loving eyes were blue He told me that 
loved me And he often proved it so And he often come to see me When the evening sun was low But they took him away To this awful German wall Following the Civil War, more than 25,000 new pianos were sold each year, and by 1887, over 500,000 youths were playing piano. The demand for sheet music indicated the size of the market for the publishers. From 1885 through to 1900, New York City began to emerge as the center of popular music publishing and performing arts. Vaudeville played an important role in the story of the American popular song. These shows were effective showcases for new music. The publishing houses profited tremendously from the sale of songs made popular by these shows. The market potential for songs was enormous, even by today's standards. Here's side three, In the Good Old Summertime, by the Hayden Quartet. There's a time in each year that we always hold dear Good old summertime With the birds and the breezes and sweet-scented breezes Good old summertime When your day's work is over, then you are in clover And life is one beautiful rhyme 
trouble annoying, each one is enjoying the good old summertime. In the good old summertime, in the good old summertime, roaming through the shady lanes with your baby mind, you hold her hand and she holds yours, and that's a very good sign. That From school, good old summertime. You play ring a rosy with Jim Kate and Josie. Good old summertime. Those days full of pleasure we now fondly treasure when we never thought it a crime. To go stealing cherries with face brown as berries. Good old summertime. In the good old summertime. In the good old summertime, strolling through the shady lane with your baby mine, you hold her hand and she holds yours, and that's a very good sign that she's your Tootsie Wootsie in the good old summertime. In the good old summertime, in the good old In the Good Old Summertime was one of the big hits of Tin Pan Alley, selling popular sheet music and being recorded by various artists of the day. The arrival of the Carter family was expected by Ralph Peer, because he had corresponded with the family earlier in the summer, but he was still surprised to see them, primarily due to their appearance. Ralph said, They wandered in, he's dressed in overalls, and the women are country women from way back there. They look like hillbillies. But as soon as I heard Sarah's voice, that was it. I knew it was going to be wonderful. The Carters recorded four songs on the second Monday of the sessions and two the next day. Sarah sang lead while playing auto harp. AP sang bass. An 18-year-old Maybell, with her distinctive guitar-playing style, became a hallmark of the group, and her Carter Scratch has become one of the most copied styles of guitar playing. The Victor Company released the first Carter family record, Poor Orphan Child and The Wandering Boy, on the 4th of November, 1927. Here's side four, The Carter Family. Here is The Poor Orphan Child, 1927. I hear a low-paid voice that says Papa and Mama dead And it comes from the poor orphan child that must be closed and dead And it 
Even though hillbilly and race music brought him success, Pierce said, I was always trying to get away from hillbilly and into legitimate music field. By the 1930s, he was publishing songs by Hoagie Carmichael, Johnny Mercer, and jazz composer-arranger Don Redman. Pierce said he was unconsciously attempting to take the profits out of the hillbilly and race business and spend the money trying to get established as a pop publisher. He'd founded the Southern Music Publishing Company with $1,000 in 1928 and quickly sold it to Victor, but buying it back in 1932. He remained its sole owner until he died. Starting in the late 1940s, Peer took an avid interest in horticulture, growing and becoming an expert in camellias. He died in Hollywood, California. The rise of cinema and radio and the steady urbanization of the population contributed to the decline of Tin Pan Alley. 
As the airwaves brought the music directly into people's homes, they had less need for printed sheet music. America's use of free time was changing for good. Never in the history of American popular music were there so many genres centered in one area. Between 1900 and 1910, more than 1800 rags had been published on Tin Pan Alley. Beginning with the Maple Leaf Rag by Scott Joplin, to the underground sound of the blues. By 1917, the recording by new musician Louis Armstrong took over Tin Pan Alley, and the 20s were dedicated to the playing and recording of jazz. Rumor has it that the living legend Bob Dylan wrote his first successes while he was living in the Tin Pan Alley. Whenever you hear contemporary music, it is likely to be descended from Tin Pan Alley roots. Now, I can't help myself. I I have to play just one more Jimmy Rogers tune. Here is Side 5, Jimmy Rogers, Sleep Baby Sleep, 1927. Sleep, baby, sleepy For hold your bright eye Listen to your mother, dear Sing these lullabies Listen to your mother, dear, while she sings to Yeah. 
And now, you'll be yodeling for the rest of the day. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends. If you have any ideas for future shows, please let me know. This has been Deadwax78s. I'm Sean, and I'll catch you on the flip side.